Well, good morning, Harvest. We'll try that again. Good morning, Harvest. Good morning, and if you have your Bibles, please turn in them to Mark chapter 4. Turning your Bibles to Mark chapter 4. If you're new to Harvest, if you happen to have not brought your Bible with you, uh, there is a Bible close by you in the row. Please, if you would, uh, just reach down and grab that. We want you to be able to see for yourself what God has to say. Are you fired up for God's word this morning? If you are, say amen. amen. Father, we come to you ready to hear. Father, we come to you ready to receive. Father, our hearts are open to receive the truth of your scriptures. Teach us now, Lord God, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are uh, a quarter of the way through. 16 chapters in the book of Mark. We are about to finish Mark chapter 4. Awesome. You thought it would never come. But here we are, new beginnings. We are beginning and we are learning to gain confidence from the start. The start of what? Going back to the beginning of when Jesus walked the earth. We've learned so far that the gospel of Mark was uh, delivered to the early church uh, through the pen of a man named John Mark, protege of the apostle Peter. And so he's writing from what he has heard the apostle Peter say about what Jesus did, an eyewitness account. So far, we've seen that Jesus is the Son of God, and as the Son of God, he's establishing the foundation of the kingdom of God. He's offering forgiveness of sins through the message of repentance. He's offering forgiveness of sins, and he's also extending with that a freedom from a religion and oppression. From religion, then, he's offering now an invitation into a new community. What is this new community? We now know it ultimately as the church. Matthew chapter 16, he said, I will build my church. The gates of Hades will not prevail against it. With his invitation into the new kingdom, Jesus begins to instruct his disciples about the kingdom through parables. We see him revealing and concealing the truth of God. We see him revealing and concealing what this kingdom really is all about. And now we enter a new section of the book of Mark. And in this section, what we're going to see is this. The Son of God has authority over all things. He's the king of the kingdom. He's the king of all things. And as the king, as the creator, as the one over all, uh, he's in charge. Today, uh, we will see that Jesus Christ has power over the storms of this world. Storms. Um, I love Thunderstorms. Come on, turn that up. Oh. Thunder booming, right? Wind blowing, rain pelting the roof kind of storms. Like, I thoroughly enjoy nighttime storms. Anybody with me on nighttime storms? Like, I love the abruptness of the thunder. Like, I, I love the waving pressure of the wind as it pelts the siding on my house, the steady cadence of the rain as it comes down upon my roof, and then this, like, trickle that kind of falls and it finds its way uh, into the gutters and it trickles its way down. I mean, is there a more soothing experience in all of the world? Some of you are ready to fall asleep right now. I love thunderstorms. 
I love thunderstorms, especially when I'm in the safety of my own home. I love thunderstorms, especially when I'm under the covers of my warm bed. But you see, context matters. You take that same thunderstorm and you put me in my car in the middle of a highway at night, not feeling so hot about thunderstorms. You put me on my motorcycle in the same experience, not a great day. I went for a ride yesterday. It was drizzling in York. Hated every minute of it. That's not true. But even drizzle stings when you're going like 50 miles an hour. How about if you were in a boat? How are you feeling about the storm if you're in the middle of the sea? Context is everything. I love thunderstorms when I'm in the safety of my own home. I love thunderstorms, let me say it again, when I'm under the comfort of my, in, within the comfort of my own bed. But not so much, not so much, not so much. Isn't it amazing how we can weather the storms of life when we know that we're safe? Isn't it amazing how you can even step back and admire the flashes of lightning out your window when you're certain that you won't get struck? Question, how loud is the thunder in your life right now? Some of you in a room this size, some of you are being soaked by the rain of adversity for sure, even as you sit here now. You've been blown off course. by trial and despair when you find yourself in that place where do you go for protection from the storms of life do you have a place where you feel safe when the winds blow when the lightning strikes is there someone to whom you can run to for warmth and protection maybe you're here this morning and you're seeking refuge from something or someone right now Hear this. Psalm 57, 1 says this. Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wing I will take refuge until the storms of destruction pass by. Listen, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ wants you to know this. He wants you to know that he, you can find your rest in him. Jesus wants you to know that you can find your protection in him. Jesus wants you to know that you can find your safety in him. Jesus Christ longs to be the shelter of your soul. How do I know this to be true? 1 Peter 5, 7 says this, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. God cares for you. Just stop and just think about that for a second. God cares for you. Say this, God cares. Say God cares. God cares. Now say God cares for me. Say it. Today the big idea is this. We gain confidence in God's care. Today we gain confidence in this. God cares. When you stop believing that God cares, your faith will wane. Listen, faith and security go hand in hand. Security and faith go hand in hand. When you feel insecure, it tests your faith. When you feel vulnerable, it tests your faith. 
But when you know that Jesus Christ cares for you, your faith will be strengthened. When you know Jesus Christ is your haven, you can, you can go before all things. When you know Jesus Christ is the place where you find shelter, you can endure any storm. And so this morning I have for you this, three ways to gain confidence in Jesus' care. Three ways to gain confidence in Jesus' care. Take a look at the text, Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through 41. Would you read it with me? On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let's go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And the other boats were with him. And a great storm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling with water. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm, and he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear, and they said to one another, Who then is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Three ways we gain confidence in Jesus' care. Here's the first one. You gain confidence in Jesus' care when you respond to the invitation of his care. You gain confidence in Jesus' care when you recognize, first and foremost, that he is inviting you into his care, and then you respond. Look at verse 38, verse 35. On that day when the evening had come, he said to them, on that day when evening had come, he had said to them, on what day? You know, the day that we've studied the last four weeks in a row. On that day when he was teaching all day. You see, after a really long day of preaching and teaching, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, having said, look, the kingdom of God is like this. It's like truth, uh, like seed being thrown upon the ground that lands on four types of hearts of soil. After he had taught... The kingdom of God is like this. It's like a lamp that goes into a dark place. After he had taught, the kingdom of God is like scattering seed and going to bed and waiting. It's like, it's after he taught that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. Mark chose to record four of the parables, but we have a pretty good indication that Jesus basically just taught all day. Preaching and teaching. What is he preaching? Behold! The time has come. The kingdom of God is in hand. Repent and believe. Behold, the kingdom of God has come for the king is here. What is he teaching? This is what the kingdom is. You know, you know that feeling you get after a really long day of work? You know that feeling you get maybe after a really long day at school? You know, like your brain is super, super full and your body is just worn out? I remember, um, I remember working construction. I told you last week that I, I poured concrete uh, basically all the way through college to help pay my, my tuition there. And uh, I remember uh, being on the job site in just summertime and the sun is beating down and you're working your tail off and you're trying to earn your keep. And as the clock began to wind down, you find yourself looking over at the boss kind of looking at the boss, and you're shoveling, and you're trying to make it look like you're still shoveling just as hard, but you're really not, and you're just looking at the boss, and you're looking at the boss, and you're looking at the boss, and he looks over at you, and you look away real quick, and you're looking back at the boss. What are you waiting for? 
these glorious words. Pack it up, boys. Pack it up, boys. I'm telling you, a shovel never hit the back of a pickup bed faster than when the boss said, come on, pack it up, boys. It's time to go home. This is exactly, this is the context. This is exactly what's happening. These guys have been with Jesus all day. Their brains are exploding with overwhelming truths that they barely understand. He's hearing it to the masses. He's explaining it to them to the side. And you're like, you understand what he's saying? I think so. Physical exertion. They're having to hold back the crowds. You remember, they actually had to go get them a boat because they were afraid that the crowd was actually going to run these guys, run them over. All right, boys, pack it in. And then these beautiful words. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go. Who is the us? Could you imagine being there present and being the us? Could you imagine thousands of people gathered on the bank wanting just a small touch from Jesus? A people on the bank hanging on his every word and then the end of the day comes and he turns and he says, let us go. And you're one of the people who's included in the us. All throughout the Gospels, you'll see that Jesus continually cares for his disciples. All throughout the Gospels, you're going to see over and over and over again, Jesus continually offering care to his disciples at just the right time when they're just about to be worn out. All right, come on, let's go. You see, when Jesus called his disciples into his care, they had then, after that, hardly ever left his side. They traveled where the, he traveled. They ate when he ate. They stayed in homes where he stayed. When Jesus talked, they listened. When Jesus labored, they worked. They didn't stop until Jesus stopped, and they didn't move until Jesus moved. And I just have to believe that the 12 really, really, really appreciated that Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. I think they really appreciated that the Lord God of heaven actually put on flesh and dwelt among us and didn't experience any temptation except for that which was common to man, and he got tired like they got tired. What a grace. Can you believe the God of the universe put on flesh and dwelt among us and experienced the tired that you feel right now? So after a long day, heads pounding, body tired, how great, how great are these words? Let us go. Does the us include you? Does the us include you? Like, come on, pastor, you taught us hermeneutics. We know how to study our Bible. We're not there. We're not there. The, the us is the 12. Are you correct? 
The us is the 12. But do you know this? How do you know that your God, that Jesus Christ still sympathizes with your weaknesses? Do you know that your God is still calling disciples unto himself? Do you know that your God is still saying unto you, if you will listen attentively enough to hear, come on, let us go. Jesus is still in the business of directing and caring for his disciples. The question is, do you trust him to care for you? Do you trust him to set the pace and trajectory of your life? Do you trust him to say, now it's quitting time and now it's rising time? Are you trusting Jesus with the storm of your life? Are you trusting Jesus for the direction of your family? Are you trusting Jesus for the pace of your work? Are you trusting Jesus for difficult conversations that you know you need to have? Are you trusting Jesus for the news as you watch it each and every night? Are you trusting Jesus to go before you in the gospel that you share? Because I believe deep in your soul you'll hear this, let us go. Where are they going? Look at verse 36. First, finishing up verse 35, let us go across to the other side. Let's go, let's go to the other side. Uh, we know this, the other side, they're traveling uh, from the east shore to the west shore. They're probably uh, going to a small uh, region of, of Garasa. We know that because that's where chapter 5 is going to pick up. It's, it's another town on the other side of the, of the sea. And why are they going to the side of the sea? Uh, you would know if you studied a little bit about the history and the geography of the day and the sociology of the day. It's a much more quiet side of the lake. And so after a really busy day, he's like, come on, let's go. And so if you're one of the disciples, like, I love the other side of the lake. And so the idea is, it seems presumably, let's go get some rest. It says in the text that they took him with them in the boat just as he was. What does that mean, just as he was? Where's Jesus teaching from? Teach from a boat, right? Go get the boat. Uh, chapter 3, 9. Go get a boat. Let me teach from the boat because these people are going to run me over if I don't. And so Jesus is teaching from the boat. And so what, it's, what he's saying here is, look, we're not going back on that shore. Just as I'm sitting here in this boat, we don't got to go back on the shore. Just start rowing to the other side because we have got to get some rest. So the goal is rest. And you look back and what do you see? Look at the text. He took him with them in the boat just as he was, and the other boats were with him. End of the day, thousands of people, lots of teaching, we're all worn out, we're just going to get some rest, don't even go back to the shore, we go back to the shore, we're going to get caught up in doing more things, let's just start rowing, Uh, you're you're thinking to yourself, finally we're going to get some rest, you look back and what do you see? People jumping in the boats and following after you. Rest. Life's kind of that way, isn't it? Jesus calls you into his rest. 
His yoke is easy and his burden is light. And you find that you try to find time with Jesus and you try to get away with Jesus and you try to get rest in Jesus. And, and as you do that, it seems like every time you seek to rest in him, you look behind him. What do you see? Mom. Mom. Maybe it's just my house. Dad. It's kind of just like that. To Dad. Like they can't say a whole word. phone ringing, and not only is the crowd coming after them, but you know what happens next. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking so high into the boat so that the boat was already filling. And I look at this, and I think to myself, what in the world? Long day. We need rest. People are following us. And now, count on it, here comes the rain. Which leads us to our second point. You want to gain in the confidence of Jesus' care in your life, you've got to rely on the integrity of his care. You have to rely on the integrity of his care. Because why in the world would Jesus invite his disciples to take care under him in this boat to go to the other side of the, of the sea just to lead them right into the middle of a storm. What sense does that make? I'll tell you one thing. If it were me and I were the creator of the universe and I wanted a nap and I could control storms and I look back and saw the whole crowd following after me when I want to go get some rest, I'd whip up a storm too. Um, that's not what happened. But that's why I'm different. That's why Jesus is different from me. Praise God. Truth is, storms were common in Galilee. Truth is, storms could just whip up just like that. Here's the thing we know about storms in Galilee. They were expected, but they were incredibly unpredictable. Storms were expected, but they were incredibly unpredictable. Sound like life? Storms are expected, but they're incredibly unpredictable. We don't know when they're going to hit. We don't know how large they're going to be. But I'm telling you, storms are coming. You see, the Sea of Galilee sat in a basin 690 feet below sea level. And at the base of the sea, it's like tropical winds are blowing, like bananas grow on the shores. But surrounding it, north East and west are mountainsides that are about three or 4,000 feet above sea level. And so what can happen is at any point, if the warm weather of the sea makes its way to the cold climate of the mountaintop, when these two things merge, you could, that'd be a perfect, we could have planned for you to play that thing again. Like it's booming. This particular time, it's so severe that the winds are swirling. Windstorm, anemos, whirlwind. It's speaking of like hurricane-style winds. Here they come. We knew, we knew to expect them, but we never predicted now. And I think this is a fair question. If God cares, why the storm? If I find my rest in him, why is it raining? 
If God cares, why am I pailing water right now? Why? If God cares, where is he? Well, this will cheer you up. Verse 38. Where is he? Well, he's in the stern, asleep on the cushion. He what? By the way, uh, this is the only gospel that mentions him sleeping on a cushion. Peter liked pillows, apparently. By the way, this is the only place in all of the gospels where Jesus is mentioned sleeping. We know he slept, but man, he picked a fine time to take a nap. great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling with fathers, with, with water. And he's sleeping? And he's sleeping on a cushion? How bad is this storm, by the way? Like, seriously, how bad is this storm if, if like, seasoned, salty fishermen are beginning to get freaked out. They walk over to him, and I, seriously, like, he must be a sound sleeper, number one. And then number two, like how loud are they yelling and how violently are they shaking him to wake him up if like the fact that the boat's half filled with water and being tossed to and fro hadn't woken him up. And just consider this moment. Consider this moment. Look what they say. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Do you not care? Is it it better that we die for all you care? That's what they're saying. Have you ever said something rude in a moment of fear? Have you ever let something just slip out of your mouth in a moment of frustration? How many of you think it's a good plan to cry out to God and say, what do you not care? But yet how many of us on a regular basis, if we were true to what's happening inside of our hearts, we find ourselves asking this, Does God care? Does God care? Catch this. The disciples, they are questioning the integrity of Jesus' care for them. What I want you to notice is this. They they don't doubt Jesus' ability to calm the storm. They're not even questioning whether he can save them in this moment. What they're questioning is, do you care enough to do so? When we question the integrity of God's care, our faith wanes. And some of you may find yourselves even in this room today as you're listening under this truth of God today, you'd have to admit to yourself, I've been questioning whether God cares.
You've been rocked by the loss of a job. Maybe you've been struck by the loss of a broken relationship. Or news of a loved one who's passed. Maybe you've had a doctor's appointment and you walked away from it hearing news that you didn't want to hear. Or maybe you have one coming up that you just don't want to attend. Perhaps you just have this nagging fear. Perhaps anxiety just seems to weigh on you. And perhaps life just seems to be like this continual bailing of water, this continual bailing of stress, this continual bailing of fear, this continual bailing of doubt, this continual bailing. And you just find yourself bailing. You find yourself bailing. If I'm honest with myself, this is where I find myself from time to time. I don't question whether God is real. I don't question whether God is able. Honestly, I don't question whether God can. I believe in the reality of him. I believe in the sovereignty of him. He's powerful of all. I believe in the providence of God. I believe that God has a plan. I just happen to doubt how I fit into it from time to time. You see, if I'm honest with myself, there are times when I'm like, God can, but why would he for me? God can, but aren't there more important things in this world that he ought to be tending to? Certainly there's bigger storms that need to be calmed than the one that I find myself in. I don't question God's capability to do anything. I simply question why he would want to do it for me. How much does God care for you? How much does God care for you? How much does God love for you? You see, God demonstrated his love for you in this. That while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. Christ died for you. Christ died for you. Christ died for you. Christ loves you. Christ longs to calm the storm of your soul. God longs to calm the storm of your soul. God wants to calm the storm of your soul. Jesus sees the storm. Jesus sees your storm. If he sees my storm, then why is he sleeping? If Jesus sees my storm, where? Where is he? He's in the storm with you. What good is Jesus? If he, even if he's in the storm with me, if he's sound asleep while I'm here bailing water. You ever feel that way? How about this? You've never felt that way. How about this? Stop bailing water for a second. Stop focusing on the storm. Stop focusing on the stress. Stop focusing on the pain. Stop. Take your eyes off of that thing and place your eyes on Jesus. Jesus. 
Take your cue of how you should feel and the way you should go and his direction and his care. Take it from Jesus. Listen, here's the, here's the deal. Don't worry till Jesus worries. Don't panic unless Jesus is panicking. The best sign for these disciples in this moment is Jesus sleeping. The best sign for the disciples in this moment is the fact that Jesus is sleeping. If Jesus is up bailing water, I'm freaking out. Why is he sleeping? Because it's not a thing to him. Why is he sleeping? Because he's sovereign over every storm. Why is he sleeping? Because it's not a trial to him. Why is he sleeping? Because he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. You see, why is he sleeping? Because by him all things were created in heaven and on earth visible and invisible. Why is he sleeping? Because whether it's thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, those things were created through him and for him. Why is he sleeping? Because he's before all things and in him all things hold together. Jesus Christ said this, the kingdom of God, the time has come. The kingdom of God is at hand. And repent and believe. Why is this story here? Catch this. There will be no storms in heaven. When the king of the universe tells the storms to stop, they'll be done. And if Jesus can stop the literal storms in this passage, hear me. He can calm the storm in your heart. For we've learned this. The kingdom of God is at hand. A spiritual kingdom has come. He'll calm the storms of your heart. But there is a literal kingdom that is coming and there will be no storms in its climate. If Jesus Christ is creator of the universe, and he is, if Jesus Christ holds all things together and he does, I think he can handle our single storms. When Jesus invites you into his care, you can trust the integrity of his care every time. When he says he's going to get you to the other side of the sea, you can count on it. You will dock your boat on the shore of the other side. Which leads me to the third point. Receive the intensity of his care. Respond to the invitation of his care. Rely on the integrity of his care. And thirdly, receive the intensity of his care. Look at verse 39. And he awoke and he rebuked the wind and the sea. And he awoke and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea. He awoke and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea. You ever wake up your dad from like a sound sleep? You're like, dad, 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 dad. Dad, and then like he just hops up and he's like, be still. And you calm down. Now, what do you want? 
imagine this moment? He wakes up, doesn't say a word to the disciples. You think Jesus knows what's going on? You think he knows what's happening in their hearts right now? You think Jesus has a plan? He wakes up and he rebukes. Epitomao, the word is the same word he uses to cast out demons. I don't think he's real happy right now. It demonstrates authority, sovereignty, and control. You get the sense that Jesus is not messing around. But then this. He speaks to the sea. Peace be still. How does this go? Look. Peace be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. When Jesus calms the storm of your heart, you'll know. When Jesus calms the storm of your heart, you'll know. Like, well, I think I'm a little better than yesterday. I think, I think it's getting a little better. I, th- I, think, I think it doesn't seem to be quite as cloudy, and the, and the rain's not coming down quite so hard. I think, I think it's going a little better. When God works, there's no doubt In this moment, the water surrendered, the clouds retreated, the air stood at attention at his command, and the boat seemed to just fix still. Why? Because the king of the earth has spoken over the storm, because the king of the universe has spoken over the storm, because the king of your heart has spoken over your storm. And when the king of your heart speaks over your storm, he longs for the result to be an immediate peace. I'm not saying that all the particulars will pass away. I'm not telling you that the consequences of bad choices that you made will somehow just disappear. I'm not saying that it won't continue to wake some. But what I am saying is this, when Jesus speaks... And he calms the storm of your soul. You will find peace. Oh, how some of us just long for just a moment of peace. Oh, how we would love for the clamor of our hearts to just be quiet for a moment. There's an intensity in this. There's an intensity in this. We want Jesus to calm the storm, but we would rather he do it gently. We pray to be sanctified and for God to change our lives, but if he could just kind of press in softly, that would be best. You see, there are times when he will stand and he will rebuke the wind. I want you to think about the intensity of which he rebuked the wind, and I want you to consider this. He then turns to his disciples in the same moment and says this. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Why are you still afraid?
You've sat under my teaching. Why are you afraid? You've seen me heal people. Why are you afraid? I've literally cast out demons in your presence. Come on, tell me, why, why are you still afraid? How many messages do I have to preach before I'm still not afraid? How many songs do we have to sing before we're still, before we're not afraid? How does this work? The word fear, deros, means lacking courage. Why do you still lack courage? Why? Just the other day, we had to make a, I had to make a leadership decision, and, and I knew the right decision to make. It wasn't even a question what the decision would be. I didn't even falter on the decision. It wasn't even a question of the decision. The decision is made. We're making the decision. The decision is now. Let's do it. But even as I was making the decision, I felt this wave of fear come into my soul. Didn't waver on what was right or wrong, but it didn't change the fact that the decision that was being made brought fear. And I looked at the room full of elders and I said, guys, I want you to understand this. We're going to do this because it's right. But I'm fearful right now. And unless I commune with the Lord, unless I, I find my rest in him, I will carry this fear for a few days, if not a week, if not a month. It won't persist on me all the time, but I'm telling you, it's going to come and go. And the elders stopped the meeting and they began to pray. Why do you still fear? Why? They didn't just fear, they were filled with fear. After that, look at this. Why are you still afraid? Have you still no faith? And then once Jesus said this, they were filled with great fear. Mega phobos, mega phobos. Before they were dedos. Dedos literally means to lack courage. But, pho but phobo, this literally means not to be lacking courage, but it means to be filled with awe. You see, when Jesus speaks into your storm, your storm, your fear goes from dedos to phobos to megaphobos. You see, he takes, he fills the vacuum of the fear in your soul and he replaces it with worship and awe. They were fear of phobos. They were fear of reverence. They were fear of, they were filled with awe. They were filled with respect. They were filled with worship. Why? Because God's love casts out fear. God's love casts out deros. God's love fills our souls with phobos. And he says this, there is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Who is this 
Who then is this? You remember back when Jesus is teaching, they're like, what is this teaching? Now they're like, who is this guy? That even the wind and the sea obey him. Who? Who is he? The most important question you'll ever answer is this. Who is this guy? That even the winds and the waves would respond. Who is he? There's not one ounce of evidence in this text that this is just some fairy tale. There's not one ounce of evidence in this text. John Mark, if he's writing from the perspective of Peter, he reveals their fear. He reveals their mess-ups. He reveals their rudeness. This is a true account. Everything about this text points to this truth. Jesus Christ is the king of all Jesus Christ is the king who created the universe. Jesus Christ is the one who has preeminence over all creation. In this moment, Jesus Christ displays his preeminence over all creation, and he demonstrates his authority over all our hearts. In this moment, Jesus did the most caring and loving thing he could do. He controlled the circumstances of the wind. He confronted the inner fear of the disciples, and he convicted them for their lack of faith. You see, Jesus' love and care is intense. Right now, Jesus cares for you. And sometimes that care may, even in this moment, may be demonstrated with a firm word of correction. It was for the disciples in this moment. Listen, Hebrews 12, 6 says this. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastises every son whom he receives. Welcome the Lord's correction. Welcome the Lord's reminder. Let him speak truth into your life. May the dedos of fear be replaced by the phobos of faith. May it come, may it come, may it come, may it come. You see in this text, they may have awoken Jesus in the storm but their hearts were the ones asleep. They may have woken Jesus in the storm, but it was their hearts that were asleep. And Jesus is saying this, wake up, respond to my invitation of care. Wake up, rely on my integrity. I will care. Wake up, receive the intensity of my love. Here comes my truth unto you. Jesus is sovereign over your storm. What is your storm? What are you facing? If you've ever faced a storm alone, it's amazing the storms that can come upon us when we know that we're safe. It's amazing how we can admire the striking of lightning out the window when we know that it'll never hit us. It's amazing how whatever you're facing even now, that you'd be able to find peace in it because you know that Jesus Christ, the King of the universe, the Savior of the world, cares for you. And his word this morning is this. Cast your care on him.
because he cares for you. And so, Father, that's what we long to do. Father, we want to cast our care on you. We believe with all of our heart, God, that you're sovereign. We believe that you're all-powerful. We believe that you're all-knowing. Father, we know that you can. We know that you can. We know that you can. But now, Lord God, we fall upon the knees of our heart declaring not only that you can, but that you're also willing. Not, also, not only that you can, but you're desirous to rescue us, to save us from the storm. But God, we must fall upon our knees in this moment and cry out to you. Father, would you work in the hearts of those who've never done this before? Father, there are some people in this room who've walked by themselves through many storms. God, I pray today that they would look to you, that they would cry out to you to rescue them right where they are, that they would confess that they're a sinner that needs you to be their Savior. Father, I pray even now in their own words, as they repent of their sins and call upon you for salvation, that they would also declare that they would long for you to direct their lives in every way. God, calm our storms. Bring peace to our souls. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Worship team.